This is Chris and Eric's Songbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. This week we are diving into the world of webcomics for the first time. We are specifically going to be discussing Andrew Hussey's Homestuck. Now, I started reading Homestuck years ago. Part of why we're discussing it beyond wanting to dive into webcomics and also just it's fun and I like it is that it's one of the few comics that I actually have a tattoo from so therefore it felt silly that we haven't already done it but you said right that you have never read it and this is more or less your first impression other than just knowing that there's a bunch of cosplayers with gray skin and candy corn horns is that about the extent of your previous knowledge yeah that is exactly the extent of my previous knowledge. And then you dived in today and didn't get a single one of those. Yeah, no, it was just, uh, we for context, we've covered the first hundred posts, panels, pages, whatever you would call them. Yeah, usually we just call them pages. We're still messing around with the cake after a hundred pages. There's a lot of cake. There's There's a lot of cakes. But yeah, a little bit of just, I guess, historical layout at the top. For those who do not know and who were not active on Tumblr between the years of 2009 and 2016, Homestuck is a, I think it's fair to say, massively famous webcomic by Andrew Hussey. It originally ran on Hussey's website entitled MS Paint Adventures, where Hussey published a series of webcomics that they did, uh, Homestuck being the longest and most famous. Since then, I'm not entirely sure on like all of the specific of the legality, but more or less Hussey has like stepped away from the franchise um Viz Media has taken over the rights for like publishing it and maintaining the website instead of MS Paint Adventures it's now online hosted on homestuck.com but Viz hasn't done a great job of preserving a bunch of the coding aspects and things like that so anyone who's interested in reading Homestuck I'm going to recommend that you read through what's called the unofficial Homestuck collection, I believe is the term. Um, Quick Google search and I'll pull it right up. And it's basically this application that fans made to preserve Homestuck in the way it was meant to be read, which I guess is kind of a natural segue given that One might think, oh, a comic isn't that difficult to host. What's so special about it? Homestuck is not just, I guess, a traditional comic in terms of, you know, using just text and images to convey its story. It also incorporates various other media across its run to include flash animation longer flash animations that are more or less like mini movies 
within the context of it and even like interactive like mini games and like programmed elements like that oh also it has music Did i say it has music that's fucking music there are full albums of homestuck music so it's a work that is kind of a bunch of different things but most simple to call a web comic but incorporates a lot of stuff beyond just the usual writing and illustration and As you said, we are covering the first hundred pages today. Um, we won't go really spoilery beyond that. If I name drop something or allude to something else, I'll try not to mention anything else that isn't just like super common knowledge in terms of the premise or that would already be spoiled by just existing on the internet. You know, like we already talked about, oh, there's going to be like gray-skinned aliens, you know, like that's not really a spoiler. If you've ever been online, you know that. But we're going to stick mostly to discussing the first hundred pages. And in addition to the webcomic itself during the episode, I might at a few times refer to Viz Media's print editions, which don't have the animations and don't have the music naturally. So they're not like a replacement for reading it online. But the bottoms of the pages do feature running commentary from creator Andrew Hussey. So I have my book in front of me because I figured it might be interesting a couple times throughout to be able to reference those. But with all of that preamble established and us basically just saying that Homestuck has a lot going on, I will field it to you as the new reader. What are your initial impressions? Where would you like to start? Well, so the whole way it's set up, and part of this is because a lot of like the narrative has to do with the weird card system he uses to hold things. Uh, what's his name? Joe? John Egbert. Click... John! Yeah. John Egbert has a weird stack of cards he has to use in order to hold things. So there's a lot of messing around with that, and a lot of like interactivity, like the you start by being told that you're typing in his name, even though you don't actually get the option to type in his name. But it, it feels like a text game that someone else is playing for you and you're watching them play it, if you know what I mean. I think that's a great way to put it, yeah. And both the sort of like game aspects and the input aspect are, I guess, like, you know, interwoven, but important to consider in that, on a base plot level, Homestuck is about a bunch of kids playing a game and a bunch of how the form of that content is presented sort of mimics the idea of video gaming and like player inputs. But also on a meta level, a lot of what transpires is the result of reader suggestions um listeners if you've never read homestock at the end of each page there will be like the link to the next page sometimes it'll just be an arrow to click go forward but it'll also often include specific text that'll say things like enter name or be like a command for the character in question to do a specific action so there's that sort of like text adventure feel to it and a lot of those commands aren't just made up by Hussey. 
but are in fact the result of when Homestuck, at least at the start, was live and running. There was a forum on MSPA where readers could give like potential inputs, I guess would be a term, just like potential inputs, potential suggestion phrases for how to lead to the next page. And Hussey would choose ones that most aligned with like what direction they wanted to go or thought might make for a fun aside or things like that. And so in a very real way, there was like actual symbiosis between creator and audience in determining how the story moved forward. It's not like that for the whole comic. Less than a third of the way through, Hussey did away with reader commands, which I think went a long way in terms of less silly inventory pages and getting the plot moving along a bit more. But yeah, here, a lot of the first hundred pages is simply John Egbert in his room and then in his larger house, just dicking around with a bunch of cards that like signal his inventory, like him having like inventory space as if he were a video game character and him running out of inventory space the way that you do playing an RPG or anything like that. It's very weird in a way that I really like. Um, there's the Hitchhiker's Guide. The only text like game that I've played is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy one, which is based on the first book. Slash, I, I don't know when the game happened. I, I think the game was after the book. So let's say it was based on the book. And like the opening of that is very similar in that your character wakes up and you have to get out of your house. And it is a long ordeal that is very hard to succeed at. Because at the beginning, you are homestuck? Well, because at the beginning, there's a bunch of bulldozers coming down to knock down your house. But also the character you're playing is incredibly poorly, uh, incredibly hungover. I know so you have nothing to be very about specific. Hitchhiker's Guide. Um, basically, the, the first joke of Hitchhiker's Guide is that the local council didn't announce well enough that they were going to buy up the land that the, that the main character lives on um, and plow through it in order to make a bypass meanwhile the local planning o- galactic planning office over in alpha centauri didn't make sure earth knew that it was about to get demolished to make way for an intergalactic bypass the thing about hitchhikers is it is mostly just a bunch of comedic faffing around in space so yeah but anyway homestuck yeah i'm going to do some direct quotes throughout at various points. I'll go ahead and just do the very first page. We start with this animation of this young boy, very slight animation, just like blinking and slightly looking around the room. For context, this is comes out on the same day as it's saying. So this page goes up in real time on April 14th, 2009. At 3.21 a.m. EDT. They got all sorts of fucking information on that reader beyond what I even knew. But yeah, it is, the opening lines are, A young man stands in his bedroom. It just so happens that today, the 13th of April, is this young man's birthday. Though it was 13 years ago, he was given life. It is only today that he will be given a name. What will the name of this young man be? And then you get the first little input 
slash link to the next page that says enter name. And after a like comedic psych out where it like shows a uh, typing out of award, not the actual reader doing it, but just as part of the animation, it like first types out zoo smell poop Lord to which John grimaces. And the next input is try again, at which point the text correctly types out John Egbert. John does a little smiley animation and then it pivots to the input command examine room. And we get our first pan out of John Egbert's room. And I'll go ahead and just read the text here. Your name is John. As was previously mentioned, it is your birthday. A number of cakes are scattered about your room. You have a variety of interests. You have a passion for really terrible movies. You like to program computers, but you are not very good at it. You have a fondness for paranormal lore and are an aspiring amateur magician. You also like to play games sometimes. What will you do? And the accompanying image here, as I said, is of John's room. And mostly we immediately can see that he's a big movie buff and... When I say that, I don't mean like art house hipster movie buff. I mean that Andrew Hussey has literally copied and pasted the JPEGs to a bunch of 90s and early 2000s like family comedies as movie posters all over John's room to include immediately setting up the fact that John is a Nick Cage fan. I wouldn't say Con Air is a family comedy. Yeah, I suppose they're not all family comedies. Um, Ghostbusters like, 2 is there, which is great. Yeah, they're all at least like... Bad. Yeah, that's part of the thing. It's like, it's joking that John has bad taste, but they're all sort of like fairly well-known in the pop cultural zeitgeist, I suppose, is the main thing. Mac and Me, Ghostbusters 2, Conair, Deep something. I can't remember what that one is. I recognize that poster but i can't remember the name of the movie yeah basically this is like a quick shot to give a little or honestly for a single page of a comic give kind of a lot of introduction to the character via oh here's what this 13 year old is like this is what he's into you know these are his current like adolescent obsessions sort of thing and in terms of like form as content again it does like a bunch of nouns and like all caps sort of mimicking the way that video games will sometimes like use a differential text and like introducing say like plot critical items or things like that with introducing all the different things that john is into and after that we get our first taste of the dicking around with inventory cards that we already talked about a bit where he's specifically talking about catalogging items and his Silladex, which is a series of cards of like a video game, like construct cards that he can essentially like store items on in a way that he'll carry them around of him without actually being shown carrying them the way that a video game character or model in an RPG can be equipped with items, but they're 
like sprite or rendition of the character often won't actually show them. So sort of the equivalent of like your warrior having like a potion or an antidote equipped. What was your feeling reading these opening pages? Because a lot of it isn't strict plot so much as literally dicking around introducing what's effectively like an RPG system, like an inventory system. Oh, the movie's Deep Impact. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. There's enough of the post on the page for the name. Um, so I I mostly got the impression that if I was playing this game with this inventory system, I would be really annoyed. It's very inconvenient. Like yeah, like you can only grab them in stuff in like the opposite orders which you pulled them out. If you add too much stuff, things will fall out onto the floor. It's a bit like, really? That's that's how you're making it work? I guess narratively this being an ability this character has, having these limitations does make it more fun, but I and we do get like a pretty fun use of it towards the end of the first hundred pages, which maybe justifies the length of time we spend establishing it. Yeah, it's like having read Homestuck through in its entirety, like going back, I find these pages charming and I like them. But I know it was like a common thing years ago when people were like trying to introduce the comic for them to just sort of be like, just keep reading. It'll get a bit more plot going forward. Because like the first time reading, it is a bit strange of just like, this is like I'm reading a tutorial and not a comic. And I'll go ahead and like quote like one of the commentary snippets from Hussey in the print edition. The characters are often as new to the game constructs and the world around them as the reader slash player is. This is common logic in game tutorials where characters straddle postmodern awareness of the game mechanics on which they directly or indirectly seek to educate you as well as themselves, strangely. So just this straight up like is a game tutorial, but again, this is a comic and you're not directly controlling the character, except there's a level of chosen reader commands that to a certain abstracted degree do control the character. I think if nothing else, regardless of if you like liked this beginning to the comic or not, I think it's at least just very interesting in how I've literally never read anything else remotely like it. And that it's like one medium using the trades of a different medium so thoroughly. I think that like the concept of a world that operates on video game mechanics is fascinating. It's weird because this capture log system is not a mechanic I've ever seen in any video game. <laughs> That's the thing that throws me on it, like, in terms of, like, the video game aspects. I'm like, oh, this is a video game system, but it's a really weird one that I wouldn't want to play. Yeah, we do get a little later, John will be talking to one of his friends that we'll get to in a little bit. And I think part of how shitty John's inventory working is, is also in a way, it's like slow to introduce the reader but the inconvenience of it is also in a way character building because you get the other character just kind of being like yeah that's a shit modus to use 
And later as we introduce upper characters, they will introduce like different inventory systems. So like not everyone is limited to this specific one and they can sort of choose different operating systems that kind of open up usability and also vary depending to fit the character's personality, which on one hand helps Hussey narratively because when you want to further the story, it helps to not always be pushing out the last card in the deck and also just sort of, you know, not have to waste as much time on that sort of thing. But it's also just continues like Hussey's general fascination with like computer programming being consistently present in the comic. It's all very interesting, which I feel like calling something interesting can also often seem like a way of avoiding calling something bad, but I don't mean that at all. Like I do enjoy this. It's just, it does not read at all. Like what you would expect the start of a comic to read, like, you know, to be introducing the game stuff. And I just think it's neat. I, I do think that the setup was clever. And as I said, I think that the use of it later in this first hundred pages is really cool and giving the main character, the bad setup. So that like they have that limitation makes a lot of sense to me it's just also a really really weird setup but yeah after a bit of dicking around with his inventory system and pushing items onto and out of cards we sort of return to the acknowledgement of the birthday stuff with john like getting these notes and like presents from his dad and we introduce like the fact that his dad is really proud of him. And we also bring in the fact that it is John's birthday, but it is also the arrival date for the beta copy of a new video game that's coming out entitled Spurb, which is the game that the characters are actually going to play in universe. And after John finishes like dicking around figuring out his inventory system. He starts dicking around, waiting for the mail, seeing that his dad manages to snatch it out of the mailbox before he can, and then essentially is faced with the fact that he wants to go get the beta, but he wants to try and avoid his dad on the way there to do it because he doesn't want to get stuck, like spending hours talking to his dad instead of doing what he really wants to right now which is just play the game. And in the midst of all this, let's go ahead and introduce the chat aspect of this comic, where there is a sort of like AIM, like AOL instant messenger type of chat app that John uses entitled Pester Chum. And in these early pages, essentially the only dialogue we get isn't verbal dialogue, but is the logs to these chats. We get a bunch of shots of his computer and like his homemade wallpaper with the Ghostbusters slime. Again, reiterating his like nerdy young boy movie interests. And well, he's wearing a t-shirt with Slimer on it. Yes, yes. I That is a great point that I forgot to even mention. Like, John is a big Ghostbusters fan, above even all the other movies. Understandable. And his, That first movie is a classic. 
And that second movie is very, very bad. And his uh, chum handle is what they call it on Pester Chum. His chum handle is ectobiologist. And we get a bit of him talking to his friend whose username is Turntech Godhead. And conveniently, he never refers to this person by name. In universe, because you don't really need to because they know each other and you don't need to say each other's names every other line. And in a meta level, because we're not yet introduced to this character outside of the chat logs. So Andrew Hussey has not actually named his friend yet. And part of the like progression and reveals along in Homestuck will be like the moments where we switch locations and we get to like actually meet Turntech Godhead and the other kids for the first time. But yeah, the the dialogue is basically all in the form of these like chat logs in a way that just sort of continues to sell the like late 2000s, early 2010s, like kids on the internet of it all. Like it's all feels placed in a very specific cultural moment or era of the internet. And again, I just think it's neat. Um, We do love something that's quite dated. I do love something that's quite dated. Um, In the middle of their talking, Dave explains essentially the weapon system that they live with to John, which results in John fiddling around of something called a strife specibus, equipping a hammer to it. It's more just like video gamey inventory stuff, but this part specifically for combat. And that more or less does the intro inventory management stuff the latter half of this opening sort of leans a bit more into him progressing through the house and before he runs down to try and get the spur beta john reads the latest issue of what is called a game bro magazine with this mock video game criticism article that i'll go ahead and read from so okay Spurb is this game that a lot of cats seem hella pumped off. And this beta is sitting on my desk for review, so I'm like, yeah man, I'll write something. But I don't know. I'm like, so this is about houses or some noise? That's fine. I'm sure that's like fucking dynamite in a handbag for some brosifs. But all I'm saying is, when do you get to frash anything? While you're playing house or some shit, are you ever in jeopardy of getting mud on your doll's dress or whatever from that busting out? And I quote, the mad stunts all wicked uppins. Know what I'm saying, bro yo ma? I didn't actually play this game, but I gave it one and a half hats out of five hats to keep it real. At this point, I'd like to give a shout out to my boy Dennis, who was over the other day. We were going to chill in front of the dark night and he was so psyched of it all so this one time he was leaning against the screen door and the shit popped open and the back deck was wet and he slipped down the steps and broke his thumb on the lawn it wasn't a long fall but hey i guess the thumb bone wasn't made for supporting the brunt of a huge useless tool against wet grass we never did watch dark night on account of ron trucking his bawling candy ass girth to the hospital but it's cool. I still got another watch in me, Brotel Wawanda. And that is the in-universe game review of Spurb. 
in what is to me very funny criticism of games criticism itself, which I think one of our two listeners, Trevor, at least should appreciate in terms of just being one of those game reviews that doesn't talk about the fucking game and is literally just someone's memoir that name drops it a couple times. And this sort of like sets up again, just the game and the universe as this thing that everyone's looking forward to, but also does so without actually telling us at all what the fuck this game is going to be like. So as the reader, we still don't really know what we're in for. I think a lot of how effective different antics and writing throughout this comic are going to be for you is going to be a matter of just like personal taste and humor. I know I really like it, but I guess do you, does the comedy here work for you? It it was fine. I didn't hate it. A ringing endorsement. The standout moment for me is coming up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This comic might be just a bit more up my alley than yours sorry about that (laughs) um i don't think it's bad uh as i said there is a standout moment for me in this that i thought was really cool and well set up but it it's just not here yet okay i'll keep going and hopefully i won't miss it but tell me to stop and go back if i skip over the part you mean but john dicks around the house some more we get our first views of the rest of the house outside his room Plot-wise, the main things we learn are that his grandma is dead. Um, There's, like, some fucking around of him, like, dropping her ashes on accident. We learn that John's dad is obsessed with Harlequins, and there's all sorts of Harlequin merch all over the house. Lots of framed pictures on the walls. His dad seems fantastic. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about his dad. We don't see him in person for a little bit from here, but we can go ahead and do it. One thing I really love is the comics sort of playing with archetypes where John's dad is like the most archetypal, most archetypal, like early 2000s middle class white American father character. Or I guess it's even like more old school than that because a lot of his visual signifiers are like 50s, 60s callbacks but very like lots of jokes about the scent of aftershave, lots of like smoking pipes. He has this specific, like, what do you call that? A fedora? Is that a fedora? What sort of hat is he wearing? Uh, I call it a milady hat because I can never remember. I think it's a fedora. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing a, um, he's wearing a milady hat. He is this like a businessman gentleman. And in the comic, That's the only outfit we're ever going to see him in. You don't see dad ever like chilling like in slacks or a t-shirt or anything. He just is always walking around in his fancy shoes and his work clothes with his smoking pipe. And his character essentially is just loving his son and being a very supportive father. And it's all incredibly archetypal, but it's, I don't know, it's just very cool to me. It's like, he literally just gets referred to as a dad. And the character is like, the very concept of a dad embodied. Well, like, it's his son's birthday, and he has baked enough cakes for him that there are two sitting in his room. 
that are completely whole intact cakes, and yet John has been eating cake all day. And there's like another three about the house, and he gets home and he starts baking more. And then he's got this Harlequin cabinet, despite being, as you said, like this weird sort of 50s archetype dad. Those are like, that's that's kind of insane. Yeah, it's like, like you said, I also there approve are of so bakers. many cakes. And it's like, I guess the Harlequin thing is like, maybe like the one way that the character is allowed to have sort of a individually defining like nuance and weird little quirk that wouldn't naturally follow from just the being a dad thing. But yeah, I thought the dad was fun. Yeah, he's fun. Um, There is a part where John is sticking around the living room surrounded by like the Nana's ashes, the one of his dad's presents for him on his birthday is a giant Harlequin doll. And there's a part where there's a television in the background and it actually, like we said, multimedia is not just a still frame, but the image in the comic is actually playing a portion of a real life Ghostbusters commercial for high C ecto cooler with whatever that fucking slime's name is, just flying around. Slimer. Slimer, yeah. Yeah, his name is Slimer. Andrew Hussey, like, Hussey doesn't parody. Well, I suppose they do. You know, like, there was the whole pester chum instead of AOL thing. But there are so many cases where, like, a different creator would probably parody or come up with, like, an analogous thing to use. But Hussey instead simply copies and pastes the real world media. There are so many direct references to like Crocker Corp and things like that. I don't know what that is. Uh, Betty Crocker. Like the cakes. Jesus. Yep. Yeah. I haven't passed by the gag you were thinking of yet, have I? No, no, no. It's it's when I say it's really well set up, it's it's the bit with the smoke bomb. The smoke pellets. Okay, we're almost there. But before we hit that moment, after John watches the literal Ghostbusters high C commercial, he then goes outside, no longer homestuck in the most literal sense, to check the mail to check just in case if his dad had taken it in yet or not. And we're treated to the first extended animation of the series, which isn't just like a single frame with some animation, but it's instead like a short video more or less of John taking off his glasses, looking around the neighborhood. We get a bunch of like panoramic view of the houses along the streets. We see the swirling clouds, larger view of his yard just sort of does a, scaling view of his environment before going all the way up into the sky and we get this like really stylized spiky sun in the sky against the blue and the wind and the word homestuck plays across in text across the video or across like the panel screen whatever you might like to call it in what is effectively like the title intro sequence from a movie or a game. But again, this is a comic and this is our first real like taste of how cinematic parts of Homestuck are going to be. And 
part of when I was choosing like, oh, how far are we going to go? I definitely wanted to get you to this part because I wanted to do some of the less traditional comic stuff. So I guess I was yeah. just curious if you had any reactions to this whole like mini movie in the middle of a comic. Granted, I was I pretty impressed when the frame rate for the animating like shot up a lot for this and like the wind chime foley sound effect it's good storytelling for like how big and like empty the neighborhood around the house appears to be but it feels disconnected from the tone of everything else yeah i think the emptiness is a pretty good note yeah like we don't see like a bustling world around him there's more of a sense of him being kind of isolated um i suppose there's not actually like that much immediate like plot information delivered in this flash animation the way that there will be in later ones but to me it's just kind of like a striking moment early in the comic that really sells the fact that this is not a traditional comic hussy is going to be doing all sorts of shit with media and just like what all they're doing and all this great stuff you could do with flash yeah exactly rip to flash hence why they had to make a whole new reader for it to preserve it um i will also know one thing i love and another reason to recommend using the archive reader is that the pages with sound include at the bottom of the page the names and like credits the composers for any of the music used on those pages versus back on the original site it did not do that and you just have to like look it up so one thing to appreciate about like the archival stuff is like they make that information way more readily available so that if you like a specific sound a specific track you can then go find it pretty easily and back then you couldn't even shazam it Is that like the app where you like have it listen to music and it tells you what it is? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. But yeah, um, when I talk about or when people talk about Homestuck as being by Andrew Hussey, it's like, yes. And to the extent that it's like one single creator, if you're going to name, you know, it would be Hussey. They are the driving force. They are like, the writer, the director, most of the art is them. But there are, to be clear, like help and input from other people throughout the comics history, largely in terms of like the music, you know, Hussey is not a musician, as far as I know. So there's all these other musicians who Hussey brings in to contribute work to the comic for the pages that have audio There's also points throughout where Hussey brings in some more help for elements of the art and programming. So it is to an extent like a group effort, but Hussey is like the overall driving creative director. Like it is Hussey's baby. But I guess just to be clear credit wise, like there are elements here that have like outside help as well. That makes sense. There's just so much going on. This comic is wild to me. I'm going to go ahead and do another direct reading at the page we were just talking about. This is page 82 of Homestuck with the first really long animation of like the text underneath of this flash image file. The streets are empty. 
Wind skims the voids, keeping neighbors apart, as if grazing the hollow of a cut reed, or say a plundered mailbox. A familiar note is produced. It's the one desolation plays to keep its instrument in tune. It is your 13th birthday, and as if all 12 preceding it, something feels missing from your life. The game presently eluding you is only the latest sleight of hand in the repertoire of an unseen Riddler, one to engender a sense not of mirth, but of lack. His coarse schemes are those less of a prankster than a common pickpocket. His riddle is absence itself. It is a mystery dispersing altogether like the moon's faint reflection with even one pebble of inquiry dropped in its black well. It is the most diabolical riddle of all. Absence diminishes little passions and increases great ones as wind extinguishes candles and fans of fire. Walt Whitman. Yes, you are certain Walt Whitman said that. 100% positive. You have a feeling it's going to be a long day. Now, the quote thing is part of a very long-running joke or like type of gag in Homestuck where Andrew Hussey loves to pull out a dramatic quote and misattribute it, which adds to the internet feeling of it, frankly, and that Hussey will just quote some shit and slap a random name on the end for comedic effects because that was not Walt Whitman. Um, I think there's one or two other examples of misattributed quotes, even in these first hundred pages. And beyond that, I love this page's prose in terms of being sort of like an example of Hussey's, I guess, like comically purple prose. Because like so much of Homestuck, especially early on in these like dicking around inventory pages, is like about jokes and is relatively laid back and comedic. And then Andrew Hussey will just pull out these really purple prosy descriptions and start waxing on about the note that Desolation plays and just sort of like sharp contrasts in tone that just really works for me. Homestuck imprinted on me a bit. I don't know. It'll work for you or it won't, but this is very much my shit. That makes sense. After seeing that, in fact, yes, his dad has the mail, John heads back inside and braces himself to have to encounter his father to get the beta. And the opening animation with his father, where we get the first view, emphasizes all of those sort of archetypal aspects of the character. Like we get like a close-up on the pipe, then the suit, then the fedora. Just like this slow reveal of all the elements of classic dad figure and we're then treated to the first of the comics strife pages wherein the reader can click a couple of different options as if in a rpg battle menu here specifically a grieve and abjure where you click on them and the characters will enact corresponding pre-rendered animation and it's essentially John trying to hit his father with a hammer as his father is simply trying to celebrate his birthday and hand him another cake. It's a big cake. It's a big fucking cake. It's a very big as, cake. As someone who bakes, a lot of work went into that fucking cake. John's dad loves him and is so very proud of him. And that is the extent of his personality. Pretty much. Um, 
yeah, we get a little dicking around here with just the son father dynamic that's like fun, like it's a fight, but it's not serious. It's fun. It's laid back. And in the middle of this, John equips something which should result in the bottom cards item falling out, or rather it does, and the smoke pellets fall out that were introduced yeah. like 70 pages ago. And it's the so, moment. This is Sorry. the bit. This is this is what yeah. So basically earlier on, it was established that he can have four things in his card-based inventory. And if he adds a fourth thing in, the oldest item in the inventory will fall out of it onto the ground next to him. And so when you grab this, when he grabs this pie tin that his father has thrown at his face during this weird segment, um, it drops out the smoke pellets that he grabbed from his box earlier. And so there's this really fun bit, like, it, it's clever in that it's been set up for, like, so long of a um, time period. Like as, as you said, it was, like, 70 pages ago when we got the smoke pellets introduced, as well as, like, the, oh, I don't want to add anything else to my inventory because I'll drop the smoke pellets. But they don't go off. Because they just landed on the ground. So then when he takes the cake, the heavy book that he was carrying falls out and lands on the smoke pellets, setting them off. Yeah, it's like Hussey gets their cake and eats it too because they get to do the like, nothing happens. There's two jokes. Yeah, it's two rapid fire jokes because there's the nothing happens. What a huge letdown moment of, oh, you thought I was going to do it. I subverted it. And then we throw the book and we do it. And it's very fun. And they're fun. both like well done jokes using the system that's been set up. Which, like, is the advantage of this particular system is it lets you do stuff like this, which, like, as I said, I would never want to play a video game with this inventory system. But it is a funny inventory system. Yeah, and I think it's maybe the first example, or at least, like, an early example of, like, okay, we've introduced how the system works. Now we can really make it work tonally and for the story in a way that's, like, actually engaging as a reader. Like, I've dipped around and explained to you how these fucking cards work. Now we can do the gag. And I think it's a very pleasing payoff. It's, so, not my next pick, but my pick after this next one's going to be Jonathan Hickman's Avengers. Um, specifically, some of the new Avengers stuff. And a lot of that first three issues is setting up concepts that you'll need to know to understand the drama that Hickman's doing. And then by the end of that first three issues, he's already paying them off with just this incredibly devastating, horrific character drama, which is very different from this, but also very similar in terms of the way that it operates. I, nothing is a larger compliment than me than saying it is Hickman-like in comics these days. Yeah, it's that whole like establishment, wait a while, payoff thing that's very pleasing when executed well. Um, John uses the smoke pellet moment to be able to escape, or rather the specific verb that Homestuck always uses is abscond. He manages to grab the spur beta from the mail that was laying on the kitchen table and extracts it to then leave the room so that he can no longer be tied up with his dad and his fatherly love and affection and will then be able to go play the game soon, presumably. Um, 
Yeah. And that's basically where the first 100 pages end. I wanted to make it a fairly easy, sensical, like jumping off point for you. And that like, I knew I wanted you to see the big flashy animation. I wanted you to see the strife. And then he gets the spur beta. So we're indicating, okay, we're going to get to the game within a game of a comic here. And 100 pages is nice and even. Didn't want to risk giving you too much more time-wise. So boom. The first 100 of pages of Homestuck is we meet a little dweeb named John. He talks to a couple friends via his AOL instant messenger analog, but we don't actually meet them or know their names yet. And basically, we just get to know that John is a nerd and he has a father who loves him very much. And video game stuff's going to continue because soon we're going to play Spurb. But yeah, that's about it. Did I skip over any like moments in particular or anything that you wanted to talk about or just any more general comments you wanted to get in? No, no, that was that was kind of it. Okay. Um, Just me being impressed by the moment the smoke pellets in the book. Yeah, I take it that you're not as enthralled with this comic as I am. (laughs) I don't dislike it in the slightest. I just I'm like, okay. Based on your description, this is mostly what I expected, although I also expected there to be a plot, and there just sort of hasn't been one after 100 pages. Yeah. The thing with Homestuck is, because I love it so much, I wanted to cover it, but it's also extremely long. It's over 8,000 pages. Of course it is. Yeah, so we've covered not even 10% of the total I can't do math, but we've done a very small amount of what there is in total. And there's so much that comes that, you know, you won't get out of just these first hundred pages. You know, you haven't seen the trolls, the gray-skinned candy corn horn aliens. You know, the you one thing I knew existed. Yeah, the probably most iconic aspect of it, artistically at least, and you haven't even met them. Yep. <laughs> but these first hundred pages, at least, I think, give you like a good sense of the comics, like multimedia focus. It's sort of spirit of experimenting the heavy use of the game aspect and of just the overall comedy. And yeah, I think it only builds. And I guess the latter half of the comic actually is quite controversial in terms of if people like or rather frequently are disappointed with the ending, yada, yada. I love Homestuck overall. I think it's fucking great. I think Andrew Hussey is the goat. And I wanted to at least share this very beginning with you, even if the comic is too long to want to like cover the whole thing on the podcast here. Here's a thing I like. I'm glad you didn't hate it. Yeah, I'd happily read more. Okay. For now, though, that basically wraps us up for this week. And we are going to be doing another webcomic, if you want to go ahead and transition us into the what to expect. Well, uh, I wouldn't say it's a webcomic because I think you can't read it unless you've downloaded the app. I don't think it's available on the desktop version. Maybe that's changed, but I remember these only being on the app. But um, we are diving into one of the Marvel Infinity comics. 
that uh, all come with Marvel Unlimited. So subscribe to Marvel Unlimited if you haven't. It, it's it's worth the money if you read old comics a lot, like I do. Uh, specifically, we are reading, and forgive me for the name, Marvel's Infinity Comics, Love Unlimited, Karma in Love, Infinity Comic. Uh, uh, this is issues 31 through 36 of the Love Unlimited Infinity Comic. Um, the name is a lot the yeah good luck finding it uh but this is the really fantastic really recent karma story yeah and it's fucking fantastic it's worth a difficulty of finding it i'm sure this is one of the ones where i'm like they're gonna wind up printing this at some point they've printed some of the uh other x-men focused ones although this is weirdly for me not actually from the x-men unlimited comic that's on there uh love unlimited the intention Initially, at least from what I can tell, was to do like more romance focused stories uh within the the app. And it's usually spotlighting characters who don't have a big role or like an ongoing series of their own. That said, we're currently getting a dead a Deadpool one. So like debatable. But the karma one is really just fantastic. Yeah, it's I suppose maybe I shouldn't have said a webcomic, but like at least like digital comic point being like it's... another like not print and paper comics. So us sort of sticking in this direction of that sort of realm of things for a change. Yeah, well, it's 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 like it's a scrolly. I call them scrollies. It's the same as like the format on webtoons. If if you guys aren't aware of like those, aware of those, I guess. Listeners. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a webtoon. But this one's like a really good one. I think it's also going to be us covering like the most recent of a comic we've ever done. Considering I, yeah, I, I think, think it ended like less than a month ago. As of right now, less than a month ago. So as of recording, I think probably exact uh, a month and a day ago is when we will be covering. When we'll be recording. So it'll come out probably like maybe five, six weeks after the comic ended. Yeah. We're we're keeping things nice and nice and relevant on the current state of scrollies. This but... is even tighter than Batman Reptilian, which at the time was probably gonna stay our record holder, but this came out and just everyone should talk about it. And we because will because it's really good. Yeah. But for now, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week and bye. Bye. Summer coming to a supermarket near you. There's going to be a great new high sea flavor with an outrageous food taste. And what are we gonna call it? Ecto Cooler. High sea Ecto Cooler. Slimer's new food drink. You've been warned.